Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Infinity Watchers with John and Jared. We are back after a brief vacation, and we have a new show to talk about this week. Very exciting. Do we truly ever get a break? We take a vacation and then come back to a whole new show that we got to dive into. Yep. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. Um, so in uh, about a week, Marvel will be premiering their first animated show, What If? So that's going to be a really interesting one. We're going to dive deep into that. Um, in preparation for that, Jared and I each selected a What If? comic that we're going to do a little little book club on. And we have a lot of news that broke over the last couple of weeks that we'll we'll start to dive into. Yeah, we go on vacation and the industry just implodes on itself all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of it seemed to be focused around Disney and, and specifically <laughs> Marvel Studios. So, good times. Well, who you know who's not having a good time right now? Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> no, she's not. Um, and you and I were talking off air. Uh, I mean, this is what we were just referring to uh, when we say the industry imploded. Um, I mean, everybody else, even outside of the MCU fandom is aware at this point that she is suing Disney for the um, for basically what she would consider the lost profits from the um, day and date streaming release on Disney+. Plus. And what was lost at the box office? Um, I mean, this is this is a complete contract dispute. So I don't think it'd be very um, wise of us to try and speculate what could happen with this, because we don't know the in and ins and outs of her contract, what it mm-hmm. said, what it stated, right? Or, or that I think it would be a little irresponsible of us to do so, especially with it being an ongoing legal matter. Yeah. So, I mean, all we can really say is that a fight about <laughs> is like talk about the shots that were fired and through the media. Yeah. Back and and forth. it's, I mean, it's, it, it's pulling in people from outside of the, the MCU at this point now too. Uh, I forget there was somebody I saw that was coming to Star Joe's defense. I can't remember who, but uh, they they're they're not even involved in the MCU. Um, yeah. But Kevin Feige taking the side of Scarlett Johansson, saying that Disney that he just wants to keep the talent happy, and that Disney really didn't try and rene- renegotiate as much as they're saying they did. Personally, I don't want to get into that because. <laughs> Again, we don't. We're not insiders. We don't know what the details of this contract were, how much she was supposed to do on the back end, uh, things of that nature. So, I, personally, I just think it's a little irresponsible to dive any deeper on it. Yeah, I mean, it's just something worth paying attention to mm-hmm. um, as far as how it will impact the landscape going forward and if it impacts the landscape you know if there's if it ends up that she does have ground um, then you know we may see a larger theater exclusive window return and kind of mm-hmm. become the standard going forward um, or reworked contracts we, we really don't know at this time what the outcome is going to be but I think it, it sounds like there's a lot of people in the industry backing her and it it almost seems like she's at the front line of a a larger movement you know this this 
we saw some actors complaining about HBO's decision or Warner Brothers' decision to stick all of their movies this year, day and date, on mm-hmm. HBO Max for no additional fee. So it's right it's something that's been stirring, and it felt like it was kind of a matter of time before know, somebody happened. Right? But it 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 just sucks to see it with <laughs> ScarJo of all <laughs> of all people, just because it's been such a long time coming for Black Widow. And I mean, you and I talked about how it's not really the ideal situation for this long awaited movie and long overdue movie to, you know, be affected so hard by the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And then just to top it off with this lawsuit, it just, (laughs) it's almost like she can't win as much as she keeps trying. Yeah. And I mean, from what, I mean, as you were saying, it does sound like she does have standing. She does have grounds. um, But you're right. This will change. This may change the streaming landscape uh, all together. I know, Warner Brothers is a little bit different considering they actually I know they've renegotiated a few of their contracts with um with those individuals that were affected. Uh I, I know specifically Wonder Woman 1984 was mm-hmm. renegotiated. I'm not a hundred percent sure about the others, but I think there were some rene- renegotiations that were done ahead of time on on some of those releases. Yeah, and I think we would have seen a bigger storm around that it it seemed like it was kind of an issue early on and then just quieted down a bit um so i would imagine there's a lot of renegotiation happening behind the scenes a lot of that also involved uh christopher nolan's <laughs> uh rants about putting tenant in theaters so uh, yeah. there were there were there were a lot of things that were kind of like mishmashed and combined together that made that a very confusing story to follow um but yeah i i'm curious to see how this turns out yeah same here it'll it'll be something we'll be paying close attention to and you know bringing updating updated news on it as it comes but you know like jared's like you're saying there it's it's irresponsible to really speculate on the ins and outs given we we don't know the details of her contract and they're kind of saying conflicting things at this point so yeah to to actually take a, a stand and a side would be definitely irresponsible and i mean i've i saw that all over twitter the day that it it came out and i just thought you 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 don't know what is going Uh on here there's no possible way and uh, i have my thoughts on twitter that (laughs) i'm gonna gonna keep to myself (laughs) right now (laughs) but yeah i mean it not knowing any details it's it's not a good idea to speculate on a positive front related to <laughs> Disney Plus, we got some uh, some new Marvel Studios content on Disney Plus over the last few weeks. Um, so uh, this week, three new episodes of Marvel Legends dropped. Um, we got one for Peggy Carter, one for the Avengers Initiative, and one for the Ravagers. Um, that also kind of looks like it's a deep dive into Yondu. Um, no, if you're if you're not familiar, Marvel Legends is kind of the the recap show. So they're about usually six to seven minutes long um, just including scenes from previous MCU movies to get you caught up before a new piece of content drops Um, and you know these are obviously in preparation of what if given that Captain Carter is a big part of that series and so are the Avengers and the Ravagers look to be as well so so definitely check that out if you need some refreshing before what if and the the multiverse shenanigans (laughs) and then the other piece of content was uh, Loki assembled. So we got um, a behind the scenes making of Loki episode of the, the Marvel Studios assembled series on Disney plus. And this 
was my favorite of the <laughs> the assembled by far. Yeah, because they got um, creative with it. They got very creative with it. You know, for for WandaVision and Falcon the Winter Soldier, it was kind of just like a a regular uh, behind the scenes, like a bonus yeah, feature just, you would see on a DVD. Exactly. But like they and made this, this like an hour long documentary. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, my biggest takeaway is I wish Tom Hiddleston would narrate my life. <laughs> <laughs> he did such a cool job narrating everything and just the, the style of it was really impressive for, mm-hmm. you know, something they didn't have to really put a ton of effort into and just could have just pumped it out. Um, and we'd still consume it, but it, it makes me excited for what they're going to do with these, you know, down the road. Yeah. Uh, I think one of my favorite takeaways was the fact that, uh, or all the stuff about Owen Wilson, how they just kind of were like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> the fact that uh, he, they kept trying to, or uh, what was it about Shakespeare? They kept, or Hiddleston asked him at one point, like, have you ever done Shakespeare? And Wilson goes, no one has ever asked me if I've done <laughs> yeah. it before. I can't imagine Ben Stiller asking me if I've ever done Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Owen Wilson, you know, aside from Tom Hiddleston, definitely stole the show and the behind the scenes stuff. I mean, there's the uh, the bit where he's talking about having turned down the Tony Stark role and Captain America <laughs> and, and Hulk. <laughs> they have him superimposed on all of this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty good bit. Um, and then at the end, Tom Hiddleston explaining to him that like the movies are connected and just the base fundamentals of what Marvel Studios is doing. Right. He had no idea like what the MCU is. <laughs> it, it was really great. Um and I I love uh, Richard E. Grant's little performance in here. Yeah. Saying that, uh, am I going to get any muscles? And they say, no. He goes, oh, well, I'm really not that muscular. They go, you're, that's fine. You're just put on the costume. That's all. Yeah. He <laughs> <laughs> just outright acknowledges how ridiculous it is. that. And I love how um, Tom Hiddleston was really the one that was pushing to cast him in that role. And even when they did the, you know, because Hiddleston really had a big say in this in a way that MCU actors typically don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he had an executive producer credit on this, which is rare. I think the only other one is Scarlett Johansson with Black Widow, honestly. That's um, that's what I'm thinking of too. And he really pushed for Richard E. Grant to get that classic Loki role. And they even drew the concept art with him in mind before he was cast or anything. So that was cool. Um, another another person I thought was really interesting to listen to, you know, given his involvement in the future of the MCU was Michael Waldron, the head yes. writer on the series. He had some really great bits that got me excited for for uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, given that he's one of the, the writers on that. I particularly loved when they were discussing Alligator Loki. Yes. <laughs> and he mentioned like it that he made so many crazy pitches of like what what weird things they could put into the show <laughs> he's like, that was so one of the things were left on the floor he said that was one of the first ones he came up with though but like yeah. but like as you said all, the rest were so ridiculous that they had to go with it. <laughs> yeah. like can you just can you tell us what the others were now season two <laughs> season two i'll let the reins off and the uh, on alligator loki too the uh the stand-in puppet that they used is like that <laughs> dopey uh blue like plush alligator <laughs> was really funny yeah you could tell that they had uh they did have a lot of fun on this yeah. um and i did like that they they started off with um just explaining like well hiddleston's been in this role for 10 years and i think 
one of us mentioned it in one of our episodes that he's been in this role for 10 years now, and he's only been on screen for less than two hours. So we haven't really gotten a lot of time with him, but he's been a fan favorite. So it, it was only a matter of time before we got something solely dedicated to him. Um, and they pretty much covered a lot of what we were kind of speculating they were going for. Um, yeah. All of the themes of self-acceptance and self-love and, uh, and identity. They, they, one thing I thought was odd was they went a lot into the costume design, which they're all really neat to hear about, but it was, yeah. I thought that was focused on a lot more than I expected. Yeah, they, they kind of talked about things that even looking at the costumes, I still don't see it. Like they talked about um, he who remains mm-hmm. having pieces of his wardrobe from different eras and it didn't really look like that. <laughs> And they said from Sylvie too, like she took a little piece of all the apocalypse mm-hmm. that she was in, but it, she just kind of looked like she was wearing a Loki outfit. So, um, yeah, I, I thought that was a little odd too. I did, um, I did like the discussion about you know spoilers for Loki. Obviously, we're deep into this, but yeah, um, I did like the discussion about Jonathan Majors, how he came into the last week of production, yes. and just kind of like blew everybody away, <laughs> like they were not expecting that. <laughs> And basically said, no, this for him to come in that late in the game and have like 30 minutes of screen time, if that, and make that big of an impact is pretty amazing. And it, it was cool to see the interviews with him and his take on the character that, you know, is a, we'll eventually see again show up in a different form. Yeah. And you could tell, at least he's portraying the fact that he's excited about being able to play this role different ways in different yeah. entries mm-hmm. yeah and he mentioned some things we had speculated on throughout the show like the the and some things we picked up on specifically in that last episode in like the references to wizard of oz and mm-hmm. Willy wonka like he mm-hmm. said that type of thing was specifically like a, right a reference point for him which was i thought really cool yeah when, when we were watching it i even called out like no he's got a real really wanted thing here going Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah and he even does the uh i I saw this later i didn't catch it at the time but he even does the like hand on cheek meme pose he does (laughs) you're right wilder does he does the exact pose like it's shot the exact same way (laughs) it's 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 pretty cool it's really cool to look at side by side but yeah overall i mean it was really cool it definitely grabbed me from start to finish but one one aspect that sorry one aspect I thought was really neat I didn't notice until it was pointed out was in the um in like the entry I don't want to say the entry room in the processing room with all the with the ropes lights. With, the, with the lights all the lights are circles but then they put in in the light bulbs they put little black um like covers on them and it looks like eyeballs coming down yeah. from the ceiling i never caught on to that until uh-huh. it was pointed out that's, that's such a such a neat detail yeah and with the set design as a whole like the amount Ooh. of practical sets they had shocked me like i did not expect that specifically the the city in lamentis that they built for the they built one, a whole the city quote one shot like they built that whole city yeah and it's a shame because we, we complained about how fake that shot looked like we saw them running around a green screen stage but they weren't <laughs> no <laughs> like they built this whole physical set and we were like oh the cgi is wonky <laughs> like, well i think i think my biggest complaint with that was it just felt like it came out of nowhere and it yeah. just it felt forced but looking mm-hmm. back on it it's uh and i mean i i think i said this in the episode that we did was that one shots aren't easy to do no. um 
and they stitched like five or six shots together to make that look right. Uh, but um, it just the whole concept of it to me just felt like it was forced in, like they needed yeah. something. But I mean, looking back on it, that episode actually has been like elevated by everything else. Yeah. Like it, like knowing how the series season one ends, that was very necessary for them to have a, um, I think Waldron referred to it as a before midnight type episode where it's mm-hmm. just the two of them discussing their lives. That's, that's it. So yep. you establish that rapport and that relationship with them and then you build on that. So it's one of those things where they did it and you just kind of have to trust them along the way. And I'm glad we stuck with it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, and also in the, uh, in that concept art for the processing room, did you see like all the little cameos they, they had drawn in? Like there was a rocket, there was a rocket raccoon, there was a little ra- raccoon no, in there. I didn't catch uh, that. There was a, uh, there was a scroll in there as well. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. There were little things that were drawn in that they were, when they were trying to come up with ideas of what this place would look like if it was an operation. Yeah. Like if it was more, more crowded, Yeah, <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, that's that's one thing I kind of wondered, like if we would ever see some other types of variants other than, you know, humanoid things. But it's cool they considered having a rocket variant. (laughs) That'd be really funny. (laughs) But I think that about wraps Loki assembled. Is there anything else you wanted to add on it? Uh, Just one more thing was that I I liked uh, Kate Heron's uh, introduction of like I was set to meet with some of the executives from marvel just have lunch with them and discuss what the ideas were and my agent said do not pitch what what you want to do and i immediately went into a pitch as soon as we sat down right (laughs) yeah that was good Um, this definitely made me sad that she's not coming back for season two Mm -hmm. i mean money talks (laughs) they they may not have a showrunner yet and it may it may come back to kate heron but um she did a really really good job all right, that wraps Loki assembled. Uh, we do have a couple other pieces of uh, actual MCU news. Um, so we have a our, our director for Blade has been confirmed, and it's going to be Basam Tariq, who directed Mogul Mowgli. That's a fun one to say. <laughs> um, I'm not really familiar with his work. Um, I am not either. I'm I'm definitely going to dig in a bit, but it's it's good to see some traction and some movement on Blade. It's been a while since we had heard anything concrete about it. I mean, we're coming up on two years since it's been revealed, which is crazy. But I think we a couple weeks ago had speculated on the short list of directors that they were considering, and mm-hmm. of course, they this one was not on the list. But uh, <laughs> that's the way it goes. Definitely excited to see movement there. Yeah, I'm excited to see where this goes. And then the biggest piece of news, I think, um, is we got a premiere date for Hawkeye. So the Hawkeye series on Disney Plus is going to be premiering on November 24th. And we also got a bit of a first look at it and a, a still from the from the show. So very cool. I'm, I'm excited. I'm very interested that we got this before Miss Marvel, the date at least um it seems like a fairly big gap compared to what we're used to but that may just be how we're doing these going forward um it definitely seemed up until now that miss marvel would be premiering first it's still as of like last week i think victoria alonzo was 
referencing it as a 2021 release. So there's still a chance it comes out in the fall, but I think it's kind of unlikely at this point, given we have our Hawkeye date already. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm still on that train of it's coming out in say October, but Mm -hmm. I I mean, I, I can't really disagree with you that this looks a little odd that they're putting this date out before Miss Marvel. It could be, it's not worth really speculating on them. There could be a business reason behind it. Yeah. Maybe they want to kind of lead with an established character in Hawkeye. I don't know, but we'll find out. But yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. We have our, the date for Hawkeye. It's good to see it wasn't delayed. I'm curious to see where Miss Marvel falls in all this now and whether it kind of pushes some of the other things we thought would be early 2022 out a little bit. But I mean, November is about when we kind of speculated we'd get Hawkeye a November, December timeframe. But mm-hmm. uh, this is, it's going to be good. The still we saw was um, just kind of a pretty casual shot of Clint and Kate just hanging out in what looks like a, a shooting range, but nothing, nothing too crazy or, you know, revealing about the plot or anything like that. So, all right. Well, I think that about wraps the news segment this week. Do you want to dive into our book club for the week? Yeah, I think we should. And then we should um, kind of give some background here. So the, so the What If series, um, the I mean, the television series is obviously based off of uh, What If events in the MCU. But What If has been around in the comics for decades. And they're all, they all tend to be one-offs or single issues or maybe two or three or three to five issues of a run of of what if x is x or y is b um so they're just kind of like fun little stories that some creators throw out there typically not canon so because there are so many of them and because they're so short uh john and i both decided to pick our own to read and discuss uh kind of with each other on what we did so do you want to go ahead and start sure so the the what if comic that i chose was what if dr doom became the thing (laughs) okay (laughs) and um this at pretty much a high level was based around in college while reed and ben were kind of growing up together um, Victor Von Doom put like a divide between them, between Reed and Ben and became best friends with Reed sort of, but he still is kind of, you know, Dr. Doom at heart. Yeah, right. <laughs> like it, it was with sinister intent. He just wanted to use Reed's intellect basically to, to get them into space. So mm-hmm. um, what happens is like five years down the road, Reed's not really friends with Ben still like, kind of has a soft spot for him and the the group of five go into or the group of four i'm sorry go into space um and that's victor reed sue and johnny Mm -hmm. and basically von doom knew that they would be encountering this like cosmic energy burst or something and his plan was to kill all three of them um (laughs) and he shielded himself in something that resembled the doom armor 
Um, and it turns out that just like, you know, the typical Fantastic Four origin, the cosmic rays didn't kill them. It transformed them into the Fantastic Four and everyone got their power set mm-hmm. except um, Doom, who basically is in the Doom mask still, but underneath <laughs> it is the thing. <laughs> So and he still has like they, the rock body with the mask yes, on top. Okay. And the cape and everything. Yeah. And they <laughs> they don't really do much interesting with the concept. Okay. Um, but what happens is okay, so the reason that they chose this specific day to go into space was like at the same time, Ben ended up being a an engineer working in like the gamma labs. Okay. And he was doing like another space launch the same day. So Victor wanted to do it to one up him. Right. So they had, after the, they crashed after the accident, Victor flew to over to, cause he could still, you know, fly like doom can. Uh, and he flew over to Ben and they, he was going to attack Ben Reed stepped in and, and tried to save him. And they kind of all tussled a bit, but then due to the, the fight, the gamma lab explodes and Ben is exposed to the gamma radiation and literally becomes the Hulk. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So um, <laughs> Bruce Banner's there and everything. So it basically was, what if Dr. Doom was the thing and what if the thing was the Hulk? <laughs> <laughs> so um, they all kind of gang up on on Victor, defeat him. He flies away and, you know, presumably to Latveria. Um, and the Fantastic Four is... Um, Mr. Fantastic, Invisible Woman, The Human Torch, and The Hulk. Which, <laughs> it, it really wasn't that much of a change to the status quo. So I, I wasn't like, they didn't do much interesting with it. It was very literally, what if Doom was also rocks? <laughs> so um, it was cool. It was entertaining. The Hulk thing was a nice little twist I didn't see coming. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, overall, I think, this series probably will take these decisions in more interesting ways and explore changes like uh, more ripple effects as the changes happen. So. Yeah. I mean, I mean the, the TV series is obviously going to have more of an impact on the rest of the MCU. I mean, we haven't talked about this yet, but it's been established. That this is Canon. This will be yep. Canon. And I think in your case, it's a little it's a little hard to not have Ben Grimm in the Fantastic Four in one way or another. Yeah. Uh can he it, it it's not established if he can like change back and forth between Ben and oh he can. And okay. The Hulk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if he was just the Hulk forever at this point. So No. I okay. that would be even less of like a status quo change if he like <laughs> was the basically the thing but green, right? Yeah. But no, he he actually has the Hulk powers like, you know, he's stronger when he gets angrier, he mm-hmm. can change back into Ben. So and the another interesting thing is that it seemed like that happened before Bruce turned into the Hulk, so I don't know if that means that he in that universe doesn't ever become the Hulk or, or what, but and he just stays a, a scientist. radiation scientist. Mm-hmm. That's Not interesting. Sure. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. I'm curious what ripple effects that would have throughout the rest of the universe. If Bruce Banner wasn't the Hulk. Yeah. I'll have to Be- ever see if, they... because, because then you don't have the, the tie-ins with Ross that you do with Bruce because of, um, to Betty Ross. Yeah. Yeah, because of Ross's daughter in canon. I'm not talking about the MCU canon because right. I mean, Betty Ross doesn't technically exist anymore. <laughs> um, 
so that's interesting that you don't really have the tie into the Thunderbolts that you usually do. You might not, you might, you might be able to pull out the Red Hulk in one way or another. If he's able to get his hands on the same mm -hmm. technology and the same radiation that Ben was working with. Um, or even if somehow the, uh, the solar flares are affects or somehow they harness the solar flares and create the thunderbolts doing that. I don't know I, I'm just, <laughs> this is all wild speculation at this point, but I, I that's the I, kind of stuff I want to see though. Like I, I want to see the, the implications of that, not just it, it happened and we're going back Victor to status is, quo. Yeah. Victor is the thing now. And that's kind of the, it. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is the Hulk. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I know you can't do that in one issue, really. <laughs> yeah. But I would rather them just kind of start with, hey, Von Doom is the thing. Like, let's start with Ben's transformation into the Hulk and, you know, cut some of the beginning stuff and show more of what the implications of those two things happening. Are. Instead of giving the whole origin story. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, I, I that think makes everyone sense. understands how the Fantastic Four come to be. So if you say that, you know, victors in space instead of ben then <laughs> like that that makes it a lot easier more streamlined yeah so, so you want to you want to dive into yours <laughs> <laughs> yeah so mine is uh what if spider-man became or what if peter parker became the punisher <laughs> super interesting yeah so i mean it, it, it's hard to say anything nice about this. I mean, I, I really liked it, but I'm trying to use what I'm trying to say is I'm trying to say this in a very PG or PG 13 way, <laughs> uh, because in this whole issue, uh, Peter Parker comes off as an a-hole, like from the get go, like he's just this, a snooty uh -huh. emo kid, like pretty much Spider-Man three, but the entire issue. <laughs> so, um, basically it's his origin story again he gets bit and um his uncle ben dies and it's it's all that all over again but instead of um instead of wanting to live up to his uncle ben's expectations of with great power comes great responsibility he ends up vowing to never let anybody be hurt in the way he was again when his uncle ben was killed he said that I will not let this happen to an innocent bystander again, because I'm the one that let him die. So uh -huh. he literally like, he still goes and tracks down the mugger that he let go that shot Ben. And he literally shoots the mugger like in the chest, like pulls oh, wow. the gun off of him and shoots him while Eddie Brock is standing behind him with, with the, with the camera. So like, so then obviously he gets framed for all of this. And he even like, I should back up a little bit. He, he it starts out with him in the wrestling matches, but he's more interested in it, in it for the money at this point. Like he just straight up wants to make money off of being Spider Man. Uh huh. Uh, he's not interested in any of the power dynamics, or <laughs> he's just he wants Sweet. to profit off of it. <laughs> so, um, one of my favorite quotes from it is uh, Uncle Ben always said, "With great power comes great responsibility." So when J. Jonah Jameson warped reality to sell newspapers. I didn't care <laughs> because one of the headlines that uh, that's published it just refers to him as the Punishing Spider. After like Brock takes that photo of him killing this this uh, burglar, uh -huh. and it, it 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 gets published everywhere. Well, I mean, he takes advantage of that and starts like setting setting up shots of him taking out the, his Rhodes Gallery. 
and like in the background there are snippets from the news or on the radio of well mob has mob activity has increased in these areas and innocent bystanders are getting killed and at one point peter just says well the rest of the world can go hang wow like he just doesn't care at this point because of what happened to ben but but one of the things i found interesting is it references the mob a couple of times and he refuses to take to work on the street level gang members uh-huh. and only wants to take out his roads roads gallery so at one point like he tries to or he's fighting the green goblin and the goblin's suit is absorbing any shots he's taking and he's like inst- instead of web shooters they have like projectiles and they're not necessarily bullets uh-huh. but uh they're little uh projectiles that explode on impact but like yeah he's absorbing all of the shots and ends up running away well in another fight he ends up <laughs> knocking norman osborne unconscious unconscious after it norman finds out his identity because at this point he's in college and has met harry and is friends uh-huh. with harry and doesn't want norman to expose him so he gives him and he gives norman amnesia for a short amount of time <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and it wears off and norman just ends up retaliating and ca- kidnapping gwen holding her over the brooklyn bridge uh and uh, peter goes to save her he shoots and like the way that he shoots it it causes norman to drop her and he knew norman was he knew the green goblin was like a, a, was like anticipating him shooting him so he drops gwen and takes off and in this one it changes because he saves gwen gwen doesn't die she hits the pavement but on the Brooklyn bridge, but like doesn't die. She gets hospitalized uh-huh. and he vows to give up the mantle after that because he can't risk losing her. Something else I thought was off was he, uh, he straight up gaslights MJ <laughs> in a, in a conversation with Harry. Oh my God. Cause uh, so it's when they first get to college and uh, it's Peter, Harry, Gwen and MJ all like out to dinner on a double date and Harry says something about bringing MJ to that place before. And MJ goes, well, MJ says, well, you've never actually brought me here. And uh, Peter goes, geez, Harry's so enamored with MJ that he's supplanted memories of his previous girlfriends with her. That's about the most romantic thing I've ever heard. of. Oh my God. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) So, um, and he, just to get revenge um after his initial fight with the green goblin he like soups himself up and goes to take on the sinister sits and is just absolutely brutal to all of them like electro he throws an emp at him <laughs> craven he throws explosive rounds that blow him up oh my god mysterio just punches him in the face and like cracks his cracks his helmet um letting the gas out sandman this one's pretty bad sandman he throws incendiary rounds at him causing him to like catch on fire and when sand catches fire it turns to glass so he just shatters <laughs> wow uh vulture just rips the wings off straight off of him and lets him drop 
And Doc Ock, he throws armor-piercing rounds at him to move through the, the arms. Wow. I need to read this. It's, I mean, it's wild. Uh, so he goes on this vengeance spree. And as, oh, and another thing, um, at one point when they m- mentioned the mob factions, like fighting each other in the streets and innocent, innocent bystanders dying, mm-hmm. he says he doesn't care. But at one point he does say, Kingpin uh, almost consolidated things. I made sure that he now consolidates only in hell. So he just like he straight up kills people in this. Uh, but one thing I thought was interesting was right at the end, after he saves Gwen, he decides to uh, to give up the mantle, and you see the image of the uh, the Punisher spider suit in the trash can. It's the same image from um, Amazing Spider-Man fifty, where it's his suit in the trash can after he gives up the mantle anyway. But yeah. it's just all painted black and dark. Um, a few panels later. It shows the mob taking out one of their one of its uh, one of its rivals in the park, but the castle family stumbles upon them, and oh, wow. everybody at or Frank Castle's family is killed witnessing a mob murder. So, and Frank Castle is the only one that survives. He ends up stumbling into the alleyway and finding the suit. So he Frank Castle still becomes the Punisher, but it because Peter refused to do anything about the mob violence to begin with. He, in essence, created the Punisher. Interesting. Huh. So I thought it was, I thought that was a neat little twist. Yeah. That because like he things o- still ended up the same. Yeah. For, they still ended up Frank the Castle. Yeah. They still ended up the same way for him. But the way that they got to him was a little different. It wasn't just. He was, his family was still killed by the mob, but it was because Peter refused to do anything about it in this case. Right. That's really interesting. That's really interesting. I definitely want to read that one. See, that's really cool because that shows how different things were because mm-hmm. of the the different type of personality that Peter Parker had. Mm-hmm. You know, and the more... Um, how prone a character like spider-man is to going over the edge right and written i mean (laughs) once he meets gwen like he he starts sounding like an incel at one point (laughs) oh god i mean it's not unbearable but like the way the way it's all written in the first person the way he describes his attraction to gwen is like he calls it a biological attraction it's like it's like like really weird (laughs) but But he said it says that uh, Ben and May are the only ones that he can really rely on because they're the only ones that really uh, helped him out in life. <laughs> but yeah, it 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 is interesting that um, a nerdy science kid like Peter Parker it all of a sudden just breaks Snaps. bad, mm-hmm. right? You can't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. Very very interesting. So let's uh let's hit up our actual preview of what if. So as much as I would is... love to see this scenario come up in the show, I, I doubt. It. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine we're going to get alternate variants of the Fantastic Four in animation before we get them in live action. <laughs> that, that would be a that would be a pretty wild thing to what do. If John Krasinski was Richard, <laughs> Reed Richards, so what if is 
Marvel Studios' first foray into animation. They keep calling it the first foray into animation, which makes me kind of wonder if we're going to get other animated properties that aren't what if. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. So this was directed by Brian Andrews, who has credits on uh, Clone Wars, Samurai Jack, um, as well as has contributed to Doctor Strange and Avengers Endgame. So has some rep with the MCU already. The head writer for the show is A.C. Bradley, who has um, written for Troll Hunters, Tales of Arcadia on Netflix, um, Arrow, Miss Marvel. There's a contributing writing credit there. Um, and her first feature film is the upcoming Much Ado, which is based on Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing. Uh, the composer for the series is Laura Karpman, who did um, some of the score for Lovecraft Country, uh, the 2020 HBO Max show, um, Steven Spielberg's Taken miniseries in 2002, and the film Step in 2017. So there's some of the some of the head credits um, on the show. Pretty interesting, especially the um, director. You know, having a a history with Disney animation <laughs> with the Clone Wars. Um, Even Samurai then, Jack's a little interesting. Uh-huh. What definitely. did he do on Samurai Jack? Uh, he directed episodes. Okay. Yep. Yeah, very interesting. Um, so the cast of the show, you know, outside of the returning MCU favorites that we know, um, which most most of the characters that appear in the show will be played by their live action counterparts, mm-hmm. um, you know, a couple exceptions including Tony Stark and Steve Rogers um, seem to not be Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans respectively. Oh, they're not. Um, no. Oh, I wasn't aware of that. No, I think those two are the only ones that I know of. Uh, the rest, I think, are played by their actual counterparts. Um, outside of those, the only new voice that we know of so far is Jeffrey Wright as the Watcher. So um, he'll be playing Watu the Watcher, who, you know, it seems for this series, he is starting to look at the multiverse unraveling and basically viewing these different realities and trying to understand what's what exactly is going on. So the Watchers we've actually seen before in the MCU. Um, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, mm-hmm. when um, there's some some world hopping happening there, and in the post credit scene, so they basically are these beings that observe and don't interfere. So this this whole series is going to be told through his lens as the Watcher, and viewing these realities and kind of narrating things as they go. Now, during the press tour over the last week or so, there have been some allusions to, or at least they're not ruling out the possibility of Jeffrey Wright playing the Watcher in live action, which I, I definitely think is something that they'll do at some point, which is which is really interesting. I'd like to see some of these scenarios cross over into live action in one way or another. Yeah, I think it would give a lot more. I, I know they've said this is canon, but I think it would give a lot more credibility to the show if we saw in one way or another in live action one of these scenarios play out or even just referenced hell yeah. even if in like the next maze amazing <laughs> massive crossover uh we get like a captain carter cameo yep. briefly like we did with jarvis and from agent carter mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and there are um, – I haven't seen it from a reputable source yet, but I have seen rumors kicked around online of uh, Captain Carter appearance in uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which wouldn't surprise me, but we, we will see. So we this let's week we got, give Haley Atwell her due. Yeah, <laughs> I I would love more Captain Carter, and they they were pretty cheeky about that character appearing in live action at some point as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, a Disney Plus series of Captain Carter would be super awesome. <laughs> I mean, we haven't even seen the episode yet, but uh, just the concept of that sounds really interesting to me. Um, you you and I kind of talked about this off or off air, but like. What are the chances that they change? They end up just changing her name to Captain Britain at one point. Do it. Um, the only thing I think that would prevent it is, you know, then you're kind of ruling out the possibility. I mean, it, it is multiverse now, so anything can happen. Mm-hmm. But you're hurting the possibility of actually doing some Captain Britain stuff in the future. And I think there's a lot to explore with that character, especially once you introduce the uh, X Men, and you know, you can dive into captain britain being psylocke's brother or you know betsy braddock who was psylocke her she actually did time as captain britain herself oh okay including in a re- more recent run so I, I wasn't aware that character was tied so much to the x-men mm-hmm. uh not too much to the x-men outside of like psylocke really well but, yeah but um there uh, i've read the the most recent um excalibur series and it was so cool <laughs> <laughs> like it was awesome just like this medieval type team and <laughs> i mean it was like the original captain britain and um merlin was in there <laughs> and uh, are we getting a merlin appearance psylocke's captain britain it, it was it was really cool very cool um so yeah with with captain carter i mean there's a lot of possibilities they did confirm that she's going to be a recurring character in one way or another. Now, I don't know. They they definitely confirmed that she'll show up in later seasons. Again, like they're going to continue that story. But they didn't confirm if she's in more than one episode of this series. So, or this season. So we don't, we don't know that yet. But um, what we do know is there, there are going to be nine episodes of this, this series, um, this season of what if, um, and a second nine episode season is in development. Okay. Which I think this is really interesting because this kind of lends credence to the idea that we had discussed before about, you know, some of these episodes crossing over with each other. Right. Cause if you look mm-hmm. at the scenarios and the differences, I guess for lack of a better word, or the possibilities that we've seen in the trailers and in the promo material, you know, without, without them crossing over, it almost seems like we know nine different scenarios. Like if I, if I'd go down and list them, we have Marvel zombies, Captain Carter, um, the Dr. Strange Supreme, which is like the evil looking strange um, T'Challa as star Lord, um, we have a Gamora as the actual like daughter of Thanos, like picking up Thanos's work. It looks like at least wearing his armor and holding his blade. Mm-hmm. We have Vision taking full form as Ultron. We have the Killmonger and Stark plotline. 
And then we have um, the Loki invasion and what they're calling Party Thor, which appears to just be Thor in Vegas. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where they're going with that one. But, but I mean, just those alone are nine different scenarios. Now, like some of them could be in the same universe, um, but I'm just wondering if there's, you know, some crossover. I think that, this. I think at this point there has to be. Um, I think, I mean, we kind of discussed as you mentioned we discussed crossovers in earlier episodes and it it and even from the trailer it looks like they're building to a team up of what they're calling the guardians of multiverse Uh so i think having each of these characters kind of like develop in their own way and then in the final episode we get a grand battle of some sort whether that's a loki invasion or um or the villain ends up being gamora or Thanos a Thanos version of Gamora um I think that'd be really interesting and I I, either you had said it or it was in a trailer where we see a version of Doctor Strange talking to Captain Carter yes so that I mean that lends a lot of credence to that theory as well right yeah and And we see we definitely see a shot of there's like the the mock you know avengers roundabout shot that's in avengers one and they kind of cut between that and this like guardians of the multiverse team and on that team we see gamora thanos um t'challa star lord i think drax and then party thor (laughs) so (laughs) i i don't know if that's the team you know if captain carter and strange are part of that team as well and we just didn't see it but it does seem like they're actually going to build to some sort of multiversal um i don't want to say war but you know conflict (laughs) and they during the press tour they actually referenced some sort of relationship between uatu the watcher and captain carter like he's particularly either either they actually interact or he's particularly kind of fascinated by that specific universe well Um, I mean, in in the trailer, he does say, "I will not interfere under any circumstances." So that, that makes me believe that he's going to interfere at yeah. one point. Yeah. <laughs> that seems too obvious. Yeah, I won't interfere. <laughs> oh no, I got to interfere. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that probably was the stance before. You know, we had a multiverse of madness, and now I think you know he's seeing the multiverse being created. It's and- like chaotic and yeah no i don't have a choice yeah exactly so i i think there's a good possibility we see him actually interact with some of these characters towards the end of the series or maybe he'll you know decide to intervene at the end of this season and we pick up next season with kind of a more thorough plot line um but yeah i mean even if it just ends up being these are complete one-offs and the watcher is nothing more than a narrator and they're all self-contained episodes i'm cool with that mm-hmm. <laughs> like i don't need it to be canon i would be excited if it is i am but i i am absolutely in love with the idea of marvel just outright having fun with a property for once it doesn't yep. have to, yes it's canon but it doesn't have to necessarily tie into a larger story they don't have mm-hmm. to put easter eggs and plot points to like build out to like thor love and thunder or like exactly. the multiverse of madness like let's just have one thing that just is a standalone item that yep. doesn't need to be part of the larger universe right. and you can just watch it for fun i mean 
I'm going to planning on seeing the Suicide Squad this weekend, and that's what I'm most excited about. Is James Gunn looks like you just drop the door on set and have fun. Yeah. So, um, I I this could I'm not holding my breath, but this could very well head straight to the top of my rankings if it if it's done well. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. I didn't think about whether where this would go on my rankings i hate to i hate to speculate on that ahead of time animated though yeah but at the same time if it's canon it it technically that's fair i i guess yeah 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 i think we rank it yeah i'm in agreement yeah um one thing that lends credence to the idea of these different universes at least you know not being standalone within their own episode at the very least um, we do know from the press tour this week that uh, T'Challa as Star-Lord appears in four episodes, which is interesting. Yes. <laughs> Either that, so that, that could mean th- three things. Either we aren't looking at these as each episode as a separate universe. It could mean that each scenario is its separate universe, but there's a crossover or it could mean we spend multiple episodes in each universe in, in like three different universes. Like we have, you know, this one that explores, let's say T'Challa, Star Lord, Gamora, Thanos and party mm-hmm. Thor along with the Loki invasion. Mm-hmm. Then we explore one that is zombies and Ultron vision. And then there's one where it's like Captain Carter, Doctor Strange, and the Killmonger Stark thing. Like mm-hmm. we we just don't know, you know, if right if we're looking at three universes, if we're looking at nine with crossover. Like we we just we just don't know at this point. But I mean, we do know that Chadwick Boseman is in this as T'Challa in mm-hmm. four episodes, which you know it 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 is sad. This is his final performance. Yeah. Um... I personally, I have to think that it's the it's the second of of those three where we're getting kind of different universes, but like they're kind of like layered. The stories are kind of layered on top of each other. Yeah, where we'll just cut between different stories at different points within one universe. Um, uh-huh. It would it would be interesting uh, to have. I know the chat or the T'Challa thing throws things off with this, but it would be neat to have like the first three episodes be um one universe the second three episodes to be another and the third three be a, a third yeah um but that's not gonna work <laughs> especially it could if be, it could be two like the first three are one universe the second three or another one and then the third is like those colliding in some way or yeah that's true in some way. that's very true as well it's it's possible that a lot of these are referenced in like halves like that that the first four episodes are one universe of second four or another and nine yeah, is the collision yeah. yeah that yeah that would work but uh we we just don't know we'll find out yeah <laughs> um one thing before we wrap here is just to talk about some of the uh things that were left on the cutting room floor during conceptualization of the show <laughs> so one of the uh one of the episodes that was pitched by the writers um, they had to drop because the executive producers, including like Kevin Feige, told the writers that they basically had predicted the back half of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 in their pitch. 
um, which is wild. <laughs> like, where is that going to go that, that James Gunn's plot was considered for what if? <laughs> it has to go places, right? Right. <laughs> like, well, I can't I want... even begin to speculate. Like, it has to be a twist on something we've already seen. Something with Adam like, Warlock, possibly. It could be, but I can't imagine they would pitch him showing up in the show. But or like Thor, like coming back to the Guardians in one way or another. That's what I was thinking. Maybe like we've seen Thor with the Guardians. Maybe it was something along those lines. But yeah, it, it just to me it just speaks to how crazy Guardians Volume Three is going to be. Right? <laughs> this last one is probably my favorite, though. Yeah, um, <laughs> one of the. One of the very first pitches that the writers tried to get Marvel on board with was uh, basically a what if scenario that was what if Luke Skywalker was in the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Marvel's response to them was play in the sandbox that we gave you. <laughs> so um, they seemed to get a little greedy there. And I, I would love to see it. I mean, who cares? That that almost tells me that they're not, you know, they're they're concerned about canon at, at some level in this. At then, the very basic level, like, you no, know, you cannot use Luke Skywalker in the show. What if, what if that pitch was the Patton Oswalt pitch from Parts and Rec? Oh wow, <laughs> they could do everything in, in the this series. <laughs> the Patton Oswalt filibuster. <laughs> Uh, if if that, you're uh, if uh, if you're not aware of what we're talking about, uh, there was an episode of Parts and Re- Parts and Recreation where they had a like a citywide or a town vote of some sort, and Patton Oswalt decided to go up and filibuster it. And his filibuster was basically pitching all of the Star Wars and Marvel and X Men universes all combining at once. But there's a behind the scenes unedited clip of that filibuster where he just rambles for like eight minutes straight (laughs) about about this about this universe is created and it brings in the x-men and it brings in luke skywalker's x-wing fighter and and the millennium falcon and tony stark comes back out of nowhere and like it is the most insane thing i i had heard in a long time but disney now owns everything that he talks about (laughs) i know yep (laughs) It was, it was, he was very much like a prophet in that. <laughs> it did get me thinking like about just a, a self-contained Star Wars what if show. I think that could be really interesting. Yeah, it could be. Like uh, what if the Rise of Skywalker was good? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, what if people didn't hate The Last Jedi? <laughs> we don't want to divide our Anytime you mention the words The Last Jedi, it's like you alienate half of your fan base no matter what you say next. Keep saying it. I called it. Day Ryan Johnson was announced. I said this will divide the fan base. Look what happened. Oh, boy. Well, I think that about uh, puts a bow on our what if preview. Um, yeah. We don't know much about where this is going to go, but they I'm did a very, very good job of keeping things under wraps with this one. Yeah, for as long as this has been in the works. Like, at least with Loki, we could kind of speculate where they were going with it. But, like, this, on the other hand, is just buck wild. Well, I think, you know, with the ending of Loki and the opening of the multiverse, it definitely, you know, made the show more intriguing when it comes to canon, Mm -hmm. right? Like, now we're looking at it like, oh, 
this is happening because of the events of Loki. Like that's why right. this is immediately following Loki. And they've confirmed that they're like, it's no surprise that this comes right after Loki and you know what transpired at the end of that show. So it made it more intriguing and more fun to speculate about the, the implications to the larger MCU canon, mm-hmm. MCM canon. The MCM. That's right. We got to change it and start <laughs> yeah. calling it the MCM. We're starting yeah. a movement of just calling it the MCM. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that about wraps it for this week. We will be back next week with a uh, review and reaction of episode one of What If. Um, and I'm very excited. I think if I'm if I'm not mistaken, the first episode is the Captain Carter episode. So that'll be okay. a good one to, to kick it off with. So thanks for joining us this week for our preview. Um, as always, you can find our links to our social media in the show notes. Um, and make sure, you know, if you, if you are so inclined, leave us a review on Apple podcasts and help us shoot up the the rankings and get onto some, getting into some algorithms, you know, if you found us, I'm sure there's a friend of a friend of a friend that would like us as well. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Definitely. The recommendations always help. We will never turn anyone away. Even (laughs) if you hate the last Jedi. (laughs) All right, let's stop there after we've alienated everybody. And, uh, <laughs> for Jared, I'm John. We'll alienate the other half next time. What if we alienate the other half <laughs> next time? What if we do? What if indeed? Indeed.